Tell me when you're ready there, brother. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I want to preach a message out of verse 8 of Philippians chapter 3 with the subject, that I may win Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray to every single person listening to this message, and I pray that you spread this message to many multitudes of people, that when they hear this word, it will enter into their heart, and it will change their lives. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that this will draw many multitudes closer to you, giving them the real meaning and the real purpose of what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary through your son Jesus. Help us to understand the gospel, the very intentions of the gospel, the very purpose of it all. And I ask that with the understanding, a great desire will be born in the hearts of those who hear and believe. That desire will drive them on to know you in a greater and a greater way. This is my prayer, Lord. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. In this chapter, I, I want to cover a few salient points and then discuss something with purpose. In other words, there's a very purposeful reason for me to pick this scripture today. And when I was praying about it this morning, the Lord almost was driving me in a different direction, but then when I understood what he wanted me to, to minister this morning, I understood a whole lot better that it's all one message, it's all one piece put together. And when he initially told me to start this message, he told me to remind you that we are living in the last days. And 
The Bible clearly says what's going to happen in the last days. It says many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And of course, that particular passage refers to the church. People who are in the church. So in the last days, many shall depart from the faith that are in the church. They will give heed to seducing spirits. In other words, demonic spirits will be leading people in the church away from Christ. And doctrines of devils. And they will do it through subtle teaching and preaching. Okay? Subtle because unless you really understand the word of God, unless your roots are nice and deep in the truth, you may not detect what Satan is trying to do to lead you astray. I don't, of course, want you to be led astray. The warnings are even in here in the first part of this passage where it says that beware of dogs, and that means false ministers, Beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And that's a play on the word of circumcision. The circumcision is one thing. The concision is another. The circumcision is a positive thing. The concision is a negative thing. The circumcision basically, if you understand the Old Testament meaning of circumcision, applies to your heart. In the New Testament. What it means is that the flesh in your heart is removed. And that means all your self-effort. All your own plans. And they are given up for God's plans. They're given up for Christ to live for him. In other words, a true Christian, they have the goal to live for God now. And only for God, not for themselves at all. Yet the concision is that part of the body that is actually trying to insert works of the flesh. And trying to lead you into the works of the flesh and away from the works of the spirit. Because we know the works of the flesh will not produce anything for the kingdom of God. It will detract from the kingdom of God, the work of God. And it will cause souls not to be saved, but to be lost. And yet this is all done under the preaching and teaching of false ministers. I say all of that to really get into my message. I have to say that first. Because we are responsible for what we hear and what we believe. We are responsible. We will never be able to stand before God and tell him it was the preacher's fault that I was led astray. Because every single individual has the individual responsibility to know and believe the truth. When you hear a preacher say something, look it up. Don't believe him and don't believe me, but you better believe the truth of the word of God. I had a lady come to me one time who had, she was in the lifestyle of homosexuality and uh, she was, I guess, trying to justify herself to me. 
And she told me that, you know, there are people that go to her church that say it's okay, and there's people at their church that say it's wrong. And I told her, don't believe either one of them. And she perked up. She was kind of happy. I guess in her mind, she thought I was giving her permission to believe whatever she wanted. But I said, no, no, listen. You don't need to believe either one of them, but you better sure believe this. And I told her, the Bible will tell you what is right and what is wrong. It is incumbent upon you to believe the truth. It is your responsibility to find it, to believe it, and to serve the truth. Okay? So that's all on us. But I want to help you to get there by first helping you to see the most important thing, the one thing that is twisted in the church more than anything else that brings the experience of a believer out of the spirit and into the flesh. Or at least holds down that part that's flesh in the flesh. And I think A.W. Tozer helps us to understand this a bit by first covering the nature of every single individual. This in includes you. It includes every single individual that's ever been born. Quote, It is inherent in personality to be able to know other personalities. But full knowledge of one personality by another cannot be achieved in one encounter. Okay? I'll say it again. It is inherent in personality to be able to know other personalities, but full knowledge of one personality by another cannot be achieved in one encounter. So here, the concision in the church today is trying to teach you something that is wrong. And the first thing that it's teaching is that you get saved on a certain day, a certain event takes place, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that's the end of all things. Now you got everything. Now you got, you're heaven bound. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Just go out there and live the best life you can live. Be happy with it. When you can pitch in and help somebody here, do that. And just do your best and God will do the rest. That's not the gospel, okay? <clears throat> In fact, what they are portraying to you is misdirecting truth, okay? This basically says, and I'll paraphrase it, is every one of us have this desire to know somebody else. Every personality wants to join up with another personality, right? So that means that you are pursuing somebody else, somebody you like. You are pursuing that person, and it could be maybe not even a person, but a thing. You're pursuing something that you really like. In fact, we know what you really like based upon what you pursue. 
We know what you like. We know your desires based upon what you pursue. You can hide them sometimes. You can, you know, maybe deceive some people that, you know, you love Jesus with all your heart, yet your relationship with Jesus is not good. And what I want to misdirect you from the concision side so that you get back on track with the circumcision side so that all flesh is removed for you, I want you to understand this. That instead of seeking for healing, you should be seeking for the healer. Instead of seeking for salvation you should be seeking for the Savior. Instead of seeking for redemption, you should seek for the Redeemer. Now, that kind of makes sense because I know you need salvation. I know you need healing. I know you need redemption. I know you need justification. I know you need all the promises of God. But the truth of the matter is we're seeking out the things of God and ignoring God himself. It's the truth. Everyone in here does it. You get sick, you run to God. You run to God when you were sick, but you weren't running to him when, when you were healed. Huh? And many times we don't even run to him after he heals us with his supernatural healing power. We don't run to him. When there were ten lepers that came to him, he healed all ten of them. When one came back saying, I want to follow you. And the Lord gave him a mission and sent him forward. What do you pursue? What do you pursue? You can't fool me. All I got to do is take a snapshot of your day and I know exactly what you pursue. In fact, he goes on to make this statement that this is how we communicate with God. He says, he communicates with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions, okay? Our minds, our wills, and our emotions. He communicates to us. So, as you can see, he's trying to communicate with us. God is always trying to communicate with you. Always. He's trying to communicate with you right now. But many times, our minds... Or in something else. Many times we will other things other than what he wills for us. Many times we're emotionally involved in other things instead of being emotionally involved in Jesus. And I don't even want you to be emotionally involved in getting healed. Because if you've got the healer, you've got the healing. If you've got the redeemer, you have the redemption. If, if you got the Savior, you got salvation. In fact, if you got Jesus, you got everything God promises. So our focus must be on Jesus instead of all of the promises that he gives us. Because when you have Jesus, you have the promises. 
Do we see that? So our focus should be to be with him, to be communicating with him. The problem in the church today, we don't see right and wrong because we haven't spent any time with Jesus. We spend time doing a load of other things during our day, but how much time do we spend separated unto God? A habit that God has proven works when he sent Moses up on the mountain and Jesus into the wilderness and Paul into Arabia in the desert. All of them separated completely from what they were doing to get leading and guidance and power, right? I'll tell you what they separated for the most. They went there in those lonely places to find Jesus, to know Jesus, to serve Jesus. If we are to hunger and thirst after anything, it must be to hunger and thirst after Him. Not just what He gives. So think about this, and I'll, I'll show you. You know this to be true. What if you have friends, and they are your friends? I, I question this about my dog. It's Rachel's dog, but that dog seems to love me. But many times I question, does that dog love me because every time he comes to me, I give him a treat? Or does that dog love me because of me? He's always wanting to eat. I've never seen a dog always wanting to eat. He probably dreams of it. And he, he's always by my side. I'll tell you when he's by my side the most. When I'm carrying a steak to the table. So I start thinking, does that dog really love me? I'm not sure. I know he does love steak. I know he does love a good back scratch. I know he does love a lot of things, but does he love me? I'm not so sure. And many times, God's sitting on his throne, looking down here, trying to communicate with us. He must sit back and wonder, do they just want my stuff or do they want me? Do we just want God for what he has? Or do we want God? See, these men got saved. And then they pursued God from that point on. A lot of that does not happen in the church. People get saved and say, I'm, now I'm going to heaven. Heaven is minor. Listen, as great as it's going to be, with streets of gold, with rivers of living water, with trees of life, with walls made out of jasper. As great as that is, that ranks here. I'll tell you the greatest thing. The greatest thing is that you can obtain a personal knowledge of Jesus, not just knowing about him, but a personal, intimate relationship with him that's way up here. And in fact, nothing should ascend even near that. So the, the Lord gives us ways to do this. Number one, he can give it to us homotically, which means basically 
those hymns that we're singing there, he can reveal himself to you through those hymns. Because you know why the hymns more than anything else? Let, let, let me let you in on a little secret. Those hymns are reflections of these writers who wrote those hymns, just like David. Those hymns are reflections of their pursuit of God. They teach you to pursue God. That's what those hymns are for. That's why they've got to be the most important songs we sing. They lead you in a pursuit of God himself. While they mention all the beautiful things he'll do for you. They're leading you to God. They're leading you into an intimate, personal relationship with God. One where communication is both ways. One where consideration is both ways. One where cooperation is both ways. God loves you. And just so happens, God's the best thing for you. The one that sits on the right hand of the Father has made the way through the blood he shed at Calvary so that you can go into the throne room of grace, the secret place of the Most High, and meet God and be with God. Because I know what you're doing. The true desires, you're practicing those true desires more than anything else. That's what you're doing. Has anyone ever read their hymn books like a Bible? I would. Read your hymn book like it's a Bible. Those people knew God because they pursued God. They knew God because they pursued God. Your number one reason for existence is to know God. And when you know him, his glory would shine forth in your life. And I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm talking about knowing him personally where you're in a relationship, a two-way relationship, one that is best for you and one that is best for him. Talk about surrendering our lives to him, sacrificing all that we have. That's what this says. But guess what? Everything you can sacrifice, it says right here, is like dung. You ever walk through a field where cows graze? Those little patties there? That's dung. Everything you have compared to what you need is dung. And Paul said, I'll give it all up to know personally, intimately, Jesus Christ, the one who died for me. To personally, intimately know him, I'll give the whole thing up. Everything I have, I'll sacrifice to have him. And this is what I'm thinking. A lot of people think, well, yeah, I'll give up that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll give it all. Well, except that. Or accept that, or accept that. And each one of those things, each one of those exceptions are keeping you away from God. Each one of them. All of those exceptions. 
Those things you won't sacrifice to know him better are keeping you from developing a relationship with God. It's really clear because A.W. Tozier, and and I strongly suggest that each one of you start reading some of his books. Number one, it's the homotic approach. Number two, it is the scriptural approach. In other words, when you pursue a true understanding of the scriptures, you're pursuing God. How do I know that? If you're truly trying to get down to the truth, you're truly trying to get down to Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So scripturally, you can pursue him. Prayerfully, which is one of the most powerful ways of pursuing God. You can pursue him prayerfully. In fact, the thing that you should pursue in prayer the most is to be in the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. To be in his presence. It is so palpable when you're there, you know you're there. I'm afraid there's not many people who have been there in the church. Because once you're there, you don't want to leave. And when you leave, all you want is to get back there. What we have to understand is that salvation is the day that you change from your own pursuits to pursuing God, hungering and thirsting after Him with all your being, removing every single obstacle standing in your way. You do that for the other things you love. You do. You won't give them up. I remember when I got saved, there's a lot of things I could give up. Then when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 15 years later, there's a whole lot more stuff I gave up. And then God started working on me and has been working on me since that day to give up more and more. Because the more that I give up of that which I have, the more he can give me. He cannot fill a filled cup. In other words, if I fill it up with my own will, my own desires, my own stuff, then he can't put any of his stuff in there. The more I get rid of, the more I consider dung, the more he can give me. People don't like hearing this kind of preaching. Because immediately what goes through their minds are all those things that you need to give up. And you know it too. You know you got to give those things up because you're hurting your relationship with God. You put all kinds of things between you and Him. And every one of those can be considered an idol, and every bit of that activity can be considered idolatry. Nothing should stand between you and your Savior. Nothing between, the song says. Nothing between. But yet, we live lives with plenty between. Tozer says this, acute desire 
must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. Did you hear what I said? Tozer says acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. What's this mean? Oh, I mean the desire has got to be overwhelming. And if it's not overwhelming, don't expect Jesus to manifest himself when you go to prayer or in the word or anything. Remember, prayer, the hymns, the, the Bible, all these things, worship, all these things are just avenues. But your desire must be to go to church for the right reason. That's to know Jesus better, intimately and personally. Not just the words. To pray. To know Him better. To separate from things. To know Him better. To sacrifice things. To know Him better. All of it to know Him better. And this says that I may win Christ. Why did Paul say it that way? How about so that I may have a relationship with Jesus? Why did Paul say that I may win Christ. Hmm. Think about that for a second. Why did he say that I may win Christ? Listen to this. He says, The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found among us. In its stead are programs, methods, organizations, and a world of nervous activities which occupy time and attention but can never truly satisfy the longing of our hearts. None of those things satisfy. So why do we pursue them? We pursue them basically because our hearts are not right. We got in the door at salvation. But that's not the end. That's only the beginning of a relationship. But once in there, we waste our opportunities of getting closer to the Lord. We waste our time doing other things. And even the church, they have programs for everything. Oh my goodness. There's programs for the elderly, programs for teenagers, programs for... Give, give me more. I mean, it's necessary that you might want to be in a different group for different particular things, but there's a program for... And this is the bad part, how-to programs. I'll tell you how to get to know Jesus, and then he'll give you the promises, and you know the how-to. He says, I am the way, which means I am the how-to. When you have Jesus, you got the how-to. He's your how-to. I don't need a conference to tell me that. I just, start, I just start believing what the Word says. He's the way. He's the how-to do anything. And we lose that when the concision is up in the pulpit. We lose that when the concision fills the church. It's time to reel them back in. It's time to bring the church back into its moorings and get it going back in the right direction again. It's time. Let me tell you something. 
that I may win Christ? There's a reason he said that. Because you should be considering him the greatest prize you could ever win. A heavyweight boxer wants to be the world champion to him. That's his love. That's his desire. He wants the fame. He wants the fortune that goes along with it. So he works and he works and he works and he works to hone his skills. He works to get better and better. He works to win that championship. And when he wins it, he's got his prize. Guess what? How about those in the past that won that that aren't alive anymore? They lost their prize. You don't take those prizes to the grave. We don't take any of the prizes we win here on earth to the grave. They can even bury, bury them in your coffin. <laughs> what difference does it make? Because they don't count in the life to come. But there is one prize that's eternal, and that is Jesus Christ. So seek that prize, obtain that prize, and you reach the goal for the very intention you were created. That's the goal we should be reaching. And if that's really the goal, I've seen this in athletes. My goodness, they sacrifice everything. My goodness, the basketball players shoot a thousand shots a day. Would work on their dribbling, take some hours and hours and hours a day to hone those skills. And we, children of the Most High, give God a few minutes of our day to say, Thank you for the food. And that's about our only contact with Him all day long because we got lots of other things to do. Like on Sundays, I'm up generally around 4 before, a little after 4. Because I've got to get in contact with heaven to know what to give in church. I've got to know. But not just words. I must impress upon the spirits of all that hear, upon the hearts of everyone who listens, that the truth is alive and it's real. That this is not something that's optional. This is not something you can take or leave. This is something if you leave, you'll leave it eternally. If you take it, you'll have it eternally. We are to pursue God every moment of every day in one form or one fashion, one way or the other. And make him the number one reason. Knowing him personally above all other things. Knowing him personally is the one reason. Listen to, to this prayer of Abe W. Tozier. He said, O oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to, to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray. 
that so I may know you indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow you. Follow you up from the misty lowland where I've wandered so long in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your prayer? The altars are open.